Hey everyone, welcome to How Greats Create. I'm your host, Alex Crompton. I've been writing music my whole life. Recently, I decided I want to get better at it. But no one could tell me the answer to my one simple question. How do the best musicians write music? So I decided to ask them. How Greats Create is a podcast where I interview world-class musicians I love, from pop to classical, and ask them how they write music. Of course, there's no magic formula, but I'm certain we can get pretty close. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media so you know when new episodes come out. And if you enjoy this episode, I'd really appreciate you leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing it with a friend. It makes a big difference in reaching more people. Enjoy. I'm extremely excited to be joined today by Tatong and Joe Javier, otherwise known as the songwriting and production duo, The Swagonauts. Between them, they have written and produced an enormous catalogue of hits. Their discography has gone 60 times platinum, with 20 number ones and 60 top 20 hits worldwide. They've worked with huge artists from every corner of the world, including Louis Fonzi, Demi Lovato, JJ Lynn, Choice Van, and dozens more. Their music is modern, dancey, and pop. Joe grew up in Louisiana and worked as a shipbuilder before transitioning to music, initially as a finalist in American Idol, and his Cuban roots shine through in his musical style. Tat grew up in Singapore and got an SAF scholarship to study and work in the Singapore Navy. Outside Swagonauts, he's produced hundreds of tracks and acapellas, written an ungodly amount as a songwriter for Universal. Together, they also hosted the Game Changers music seminars to share wisdom from top writers and producers with aspiring musicians. You can find links to all their stuff in the description. And guys, let me tell you, honestly, I've been super excited about this. It's such a privilege to be able to chat with you. And thank you very much for coming. Thank you. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, man. It'll be fun. Let's do it. Um, cool. Talk us through when you started out and then the key milestones for you in your, in your songwriting career. Okay, so... Yeah, so you covered uh, like a little bit of our, I guess, early history separately before we became the Swaggernauts. I guess for me, I got the standard Asian package growing up. So, you know, piano lessons from when I was four and I just started writing music. And then after that, you know, like most Singaporeans, you kind of have like a hard stop at like 18 because you're like, okay, fun and games is over. Time for you to go to the army and then time for you to like go to college and then time for you to get a job and, you know, just go on with life. But so it was during like my time in the Navy that I realized that I wasn't super happy. And then so music, writing music became my outlet again. And, you know, and, and then and then after a while, I just left the Navy and started doing it full time for about two years. I got some uh, songs, some placements out here in Asia. And then in 2013, I decided to just head over to the U.S. to to expand things a little bit. And then so I went and then I met Joe. And I guess Joe can continue this part of the story. Mm, yeah, man. So, you know, like you said, I was on American Idol. That was kind of the start for me. Before that, I was just singing for the fun of it. And then after that, I just, you know, started really dedicating more to the writing side. Met Tad in, in New York. We started writing a little bit. And then we realized we kind of had something. Took a trip down to Miami and we worked with a producer friend of ours, a really good friend of ours, and he's Blackout. Winston Blackout Thomas, and he did uh, stuff for like Nicki Minaj, Pink Friday, and a couple other big records, Mims, Why I'm Hot, just really, really dope producer. So we started working with him, and uh, he said, uh, what did he say to that? So he looked at us, uh, we were about, we were writing some EDM top lines, because EDM was hot back then, everyone was trying to cross over, right? So so we were at in this like little writing camp in his in his house. So he actually invited us to his house, which was super cool. And, you know, we were in a room and we were just like working on top lines, melody and lyrics for some of his tracks. And so he came in after we were done with each one and, and listened to what we did. And then he would say what he thought and then he would leave and we would write another one. And so I think it was like at number three, he kind of looked at us and was like, do you guys ever write a bad song? And then that's kind of when we looked at each other and we were like, hmm, that's awesome, but also there might be something more to this. Maybe we should really like formally partner up and do this for real. That's so cool. Yeah. Were there any songs that you wrote before Swagonauts when you were still in the Navy or something like that that like were good? What possessed you to be like, oh, I can actually maybe do this as like a normal person? It seems like a crazy transition when, when you put it like that. I mean, you know... It wasn't so much that, you know, I had like a ton of success that gave me confidence. I mean, I had no time. I was out at sea all the time. Like 
cut off. I didn't even have internet. I couldn't talk to anyone. I couldn't write music when I was in the Navy. So it was, it really was literally a hobby, like I, just whatever time I had. But it was more so that, you know, at that point, I had kind of made some friends in music and talked to them a little bit and, and, and figured that, you know, between that and all the savings that I, I had accumulated in my time in the Navy, I didn't have a life, like, so I saved a lot of money. <laughs> and so I was like, well, you know, with this money, I could be unemployed for a year and, you know, we'll see how it happens, uh, like how, how it goes. And, and that, that really, that really is why I left. Mm. It wasn't, it wasn't about success. It's just more like, you know, I want to try this out and I have some, you know, a cushion so I won't suffer. Mm. Yeah. yeah. My, my, my side's a little different. I didn't have a penny to my freaking name, man. <laughs> I did, the, <laughs> I did the, the, the full on American thing. And I was like, you know what? Screw this. I just packed all my crap in my Cadillac and I drove cross country from, from New Orleans to uh, Los Angeles. And, and I didn't <sighs> know any, anybody. I didn't even know, like I met Tad, but I mean, we didn't really know each other's right. So like I went over to LA and it was just, you know, couch surfing, like legit the, the website, couch surfing. <laughs> yeah, that, that was how I got, got going. And then uh, Tad and I started working a little more and then we just started and connected and I found my way there in LA, found my place and we started, started grinding. Yeah. But this was post-American Idol, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So like post-American Idol, you know, you go and, and I mean, I use that calling card for a little bit, but it's interesting, man, because American Idol is cool for the show, but once you get off, you know, you really kind of get into the grind of things and you realize that there's like a, there's like a little gauntlet of, of like, you know, writers and stuff, you know, and you got to pay your dues, man. So American Idol kind of pushes you up into the spotlight platform and you got to come back down. Like if you come back down, you realize that you still have to, you have to, you know, level up, right? It was a good kind of like catapult, but at the same time, you know, you have to, you have to work your way up. Man. So maybe we can talk a little bit about what does it actually mean to work together? Like, what do you do? Are you, is, is Joe like, oh, Tat, when you come around and then, you know, you have a guitar, like what happens in those sessions? Okay, let me take this one first. So what happens in a session really depends on the mix of people in the room because, and what our objective is and what style of music we're writing. Because obviously, for example, with Blackout, all the instrumentals were done. We were just going in to write mm. melody and lyrics, both of us collaboratively on top of what he did. You know, there are some sessions where you'll have a whole bunch of writers, maybe four or five in a room, and then they all have different talents. So then like, you know, everyone just contributes whatever talents they have to that session. And so as you can imagine, it's very fluid. It really depends. And so in your sessions together, I guess like one of the things that's so interesting for me is, I don't know if, Tat, if you were into Latin music before, but it's like... No. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> the answer is no. It feels like there's, there's some essence of that music which really runs through so many of your tracks. And so I'm curious as to whether that was a conscious thing. So my answer is no, I was not into Latin music <laughs> in any yeah. significant way before like I met you and we worked together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it's, it was, it's cool, man. I mean, I think that's kind of what makes the DNA of Swaggernauts, right? So like Tat's from, you know, Singapore and he's got, you know, C-pop and the Mandarin and, and Asian, he's got some K-pop in him and, and J-pop and all of that, you know, and I have, you know, being Cuban-American, I have the Latin influence, so reggaeton, salsa, merengue, bachata, all of the Latin, you know, side of it. And when we came together, we started, you know, experimenting with each other's music, right? And it ended up, we got good at each other's styles and it just made us better as a whole you know so that's the thing so i brought more of the latin side but now tat it's funny because i i'm honestly 100 you know convinced and 100 for sure that he's the only asian that is kicking ass in the latin market like really <laughs> understands the music and it's just every time we walk into a session with some of the latin folks they're like wow this is wild i've never had an asian dude in the session before so I mean, it's really, it's really dope. And it's a cool little, like, it's a cool little angle. You know what I mean? And then, and then flip-flop, you know, I spent some time in Taiwan doing some, exactly, you know, some yeah. C-pop and some, you know, and bringing some of my flavor over there. And, and, and they, they yeah. said the same thing. They're just like, wow, you know, what's this Latino doing over here? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's pretty cool, man. It's always, it's, it's dope. I mean, and that just shows, it's like a sign of the times, right? You know, you know, just kind of, you know, internet age, you know, social media age. It's the whole fact that, you know, music's global more than ever before. And so we're just trying to, we're always trying to stay ahead of the curve, you know, when it comes to making our music. And, and so how does it work when you 
write together? Do you start off with a lot of intent? Are you like, we want to write a track like this, or we want to write a song in this style? Or do you use chance like, hey, I found this interesting sound and let's see if we can build something around it? Or like, how, how does it work? You got to be loose with it, right? You got to be loose. Like, so, because it all, it all comes from different places. And I know, it, I mean, that sounds like super cliche, but I mean, the fact of the matter is this, like sometimes, like we did a song, like the first, uh, I'm going to go for Get Dumb, Tat. There's sure. a song called Get Dumb that we did with uh, Crayon Pop, a uh, girl group out of Korea and CD9, which is a boy band out of, out yeah. of Mexico. And that song was like one of the first, I think the first, you know, K-pop, Mexican pop crossover record, you know, and it did pretty well. But the thing is that that was a record that, you know, they asked us for something. And then so it's kind of like a mixture of both where like we kind of had an idea of what we wanted to do because of the, the label was asking for something. But then Tat, you know, just out of nowhere, you know, comes to me in the morning. And he's like, hey, look, I had this melody in my mind as I was dreaming and <laughs> I woke up and I had to record it and he legit plays me the recording when he you know like the, he presses the, the the memo and I'm like dude fucking what time was it he's like it's like 3 a.m I don't know I'm like whatever bro let's fucking do it so we sit down and we get into the studio and it was let's get dumb let's go I'm like let's fucking do it so we just did it and we just we knocked it out super quick man so it happens like that yeah, yeah. but then I guess my question with that then is how do you do that reliably? It's like, if this is your job, you can't be like, I'm hoping I wake up at 3 a.m. tonight because I'm out of ideas. You must have something oh. that happens. Oh, yeah. I mean, some, a- yeah, it, sometimes it happens and sometimes it takes a while, but, you know, we always get there. Yeah, like, okay, so, all right, I'll give you another thing, right? So here's another thing. If you want something a little more structured, right? So there's there are times, like, for example, there were a couple sessions. We had uh, we had something with Sebastián Yatra, who's a big, you know, uh, A-list artist in the Latin market. And we came prepared, you know, for that. So we'd sit down and we bang out like three hooks, you know, with some chord progressions. You just start with some chord progressions and then you, you know, do like a melody and lyric and you bang out three hooks and then you build, you know, the the track structure out from that. And so you present that to the, to the artist, you know? And so that's another way of doing it where it's like, you know, sometimes you can come at, you know, 3 a.m. and say, oh my God, I got something. You, you knock it out and it's amazing. And there's other moments where you say, okay, hey, you know, let's get in there and be a little more strategic and a little more, you know, you plan it out so that you have something to show to them. That at the very least, they can listen to three different ideas. If they like them, they can pick it. Or if they say like, hey, look, you know, this is dope, but it's not my thing. Can we start from scratch? And then at least, you know, you guys kind of have that. You know what I'm saying? So that's a way to do it, too. And in terms, I mean, all that to say that there have been moments where, you know, we say when we we sit down with an artist, you know, we need to kind of gauge the temperature in the room, talk to them a little bit, see how they feel. And then, you know, we start playing some chords. Well, Tat starts playing some chords because he's amazing in that. At that, they feel it. And then we start grinding. Sometimes the the artist will come in with, you know, like in, for example, the Troy Savan, you know, Happy Little Pill. You know, I'm sure Tat can talk a little bit about that. Tat? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So in, in that case, for, for Pill, Troy came in with a book of just some poetry and, you know, just some some fragments some jumbled jumbled thoughts and and so he was like just going through the book and reading pages of it just random pages and then there was a page that became the chorus of the song and 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 we picked it because he evidently felt that page he had a special connection with that page because you know that that those lines were talking about his mom and her struggles so uh yeah so that that song happened like that so it can be as organic as that and the inspiration can come from anyone in the room. Hmm. And so when you're when you're kind of coming up with these starters, are you specifically looking for, you mentioned the hook, like having three hooks or whatever, like are you, if you don't have a hook, but you just have like a vibe, is that enough? Or is the hook the most important bit because you're in, because you're, I guess, focused on pop, right? I mean, we we write open-ended too. And, you know, like the... There's times when the chords come first and then the, the verse is great. And then we have to, sometimes we don't get the hook right away. Sometimes mm. the hook happens a few sessions later. We've written songs and then rewritten them and then, you know, repurposed parts of existing songs, unreleased demos mm. into new songs and stuff. And, you know, sometimes through a process of recombination and experimentation, you know, stuff happens. Yeah. yeah. But 
but obviously, you know, we try to do that more for our own stuff. Like when we were assigned to Universal Latin as 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 the group Wapea, you know, that's our own stuff. And so we were doing a lot of that kind of stuff. But when we're working with artists and we have limited time with them, we like to be a little more prepared, like Joe was saying. Hmm. And and yeah. so you ever have the time where you're just like, man, we're not, we're literally not going to get anything out of this. And you and because and under that pressure, it's really hard to be creative. That must have happened. I mean, that, that very rarely happens, right? Because when you start getting to that, that point, you're, you're talking about, you know, high level creatives, you know? And so, you know, first things first, you can't start a session on pressure or else, you know, it's, it's not, never going to end good. It's always got to be a conversation, right? Because a true artist wants to talk about what they're going through. You know what I mean? And a lot of times you want to write some songs that have a good, you know, you know, like a good foundation of substance that, that people can relate to. And so, you know, a lot of these sessions, you know, they boil down to, like, for example, the Yatra situation when we had the three hooks, right? Those weren't hooks that we were just like, oh, let's just write three cool things. It was more like, okay, let's gauge the temperature of the artist and what their last few releases were, you know? Let's listen to them. Let's understand. Let's do a little research on some, you know, like news clips that maybe they, you know, they have out on them or whatever and something that could relate to their current situation. And then, and then at that point, you say, okay, let me, you know, get a couple of hooks out and see where we go. And then they'll listen to them. And at that point, whatever they relate to, they're going to want to write to. And, and that's it. And then at that point, you're just having conversations, man. And you're jotting down some of the things that they're saying. And you're saying, okay, hey, look, you know, this is dope. This is cool. You know, let's talk about this. How do you feel about that? And then it, it just becomes a, an awesome, you know, experience, you know. And so, I mean, if you're super, like, you know, if there's a lot of tension because you really want to perform, you know, chances are it's going to be a little more, it's going to be a little tougher, you know? Yeah, that's, that's the vibe. So, and then, and then once you have that dude, it becomes a therapy session and they want to work with you more, man. They want to get more time with you. They want to schedule a second or third or fourth session, you know, and then before you know it, you have, you know, you have a cool relationship. That's super interesting. Yeah. yeah. And so how much, how much time is like spent on research in advance? It sounds like that's really important actually. I mean, look, we're, we're tastemakers, right? Mm. You know, so like that's the bottom line. You have to look at yourself as a, if you're a writer, producer, whatever you are, mixer, whatever. We're tape makers, you know, and we're, you know, basically bringing the sound to the people, right? So you always want to kind of be, you know, update up to date with the current events, you know, kind of what's going on and stuff. So it's good. I mean, you don't have to be like, you know, pop culture 101. You don't, you know, you don't have to be able to answer every single question. But I mean, you do need to spend some time on the artist that you need to you know, that you're about to work with. You need to know what their releases were. You need to listen to their sound, what, you know, keys they like to sing in, you know, the style. I mean, if there's a little more dark edge to it, if they just went through a breakup, whatever the case is, you need to know these things ahead of time, you know? Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So we're basically ch- channeling them. And so they, the, there's this rapport right away where they're like, oh, wow, you guys really get me. You're awesome. Yeah. And then at that point, you know, it becomes a lot easier. That's so interesting. Yeah. And, I, I'm really curious, when did you pick up on this is the process I need to go through to to like deliver this successfully? Like if I, I'm thinking about you, Tap, when you're in the Navy, like presumably this stuff wasn't instinctive to you. Did oh, you no, learn- no, no, no. Like I think we, we both, like both Joe and I went through a lot of experiences that, you know, led to us having this approach. I, I do remember though, you know, like when I first started and this is another like, you know, yin and yang moment where we both complement each other really well in our little like work marriage. So I'm really technical. I'm very like structured. I'm very, you know, uh, the melody has to be here because it sounds good here. These notes sound good one after the other. And, you know, like there has to be contrast and dynamic changes and all that stuff. That's me. Whereas Joe, like, you know, at the start was the polar opposite. He was all like, why, why do you care about all these things? Like, <laughs> if, if the song just doesn't feel good at the end, like, why are you doing all these things for? It doesn't yeah. move me. It doesn't, I don't feel anything. So, so over time, I became more emotional and then he became more um, analytical. So I think both of these things really need to be in balance for you to be successful. Are there criteria you try and aim for when you're writing them? Like you mentioned, you're looking for certain elements of dynamics or whatever at certain parts. What are those things that for new songwriters, you might not even know, right? It's intuitive, but it's not explicit. 
I don't know, man. It's like it's almost like I guess you learn the rules first. You get used, you get good at like building according to the rules, and then you break it. I feel like we're we're all at that stage where we're just breaking rules all the time mm. because it, yeah. And but but I mean, I guess just in general, you know, you know, for hooks, there's a good there's a good saying by by Mike Karen, who's one of the top executives in the business, Atlantic, and all that. And you know, uh, one of the criteria he has for his writers is. Can you write a song and then the next morning when, you know, your mind's a blank and everything is fresh, can you achieve total recall of all the important parts of the song? If mm. you can, then you have a hit. Otherwise, mm. you don't. And so how conscious then is the kind of evolution of your, of your songwriting style? Is it that you get, get feedback on particular aspects of the songs that you write or whatever, which you then go and work on or is it something that just happens naturally as you work with more and more artists every 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 case is different i think yeah. i mean you know it's it's man i really wish that you know that this could be like you know i come from a sports background right so i played you know baseball growing up and stuff and there's a you know there's a routine that you go through you know and it's like you know if you practice your swing this way and you focus on having you know this technique then it's going to be like this all the time you know what i mean Unfortunately, in, in well, fortunately and unfortunately, in writing and creative writing, you know, there's no one way because there's so many people going through so many different things, artists, I mean, you know, and so like, I think it, it all goes down to, you know, the way that you approach it when you, when you gauge that, that temperature, or, you know, some, some, some artists, for example, are not the great, you know, the greatest writers, you know, and they're going to lean on, you know, I mean, we've had are writers that once they feel that trust in you, that you're going to give them that sauce, right? They look at you every time they want to write, you know, like they're in the session and just like they'll write something or throw an idea and immediately their eyes dart straight to you, you know, to see for approval, you know, those things happen. Sometimes you have artists that are just amazing lyricists and you just got to take a step back. You got to let them just, you got to be the filter, you know, you got to let them throw all their ideas and you got to say, yo, this is dope. This is fire. Let's, you know, let's, you know, dig through this a little more. Let's figure this one out. I like that. Let's flip it. You know, let's put this here, you know, just kind of be a little more organized, you know, just organize their thoughts in a way that just, you know, can really make the best song for them, you know, and then, and then you have, you know, it's, it's increasingly rare, you know, that you find artists that are just pure performers and don't write just because of the streaming era and the fact that, you know, more artists now are trying to get, you know, into the writing you know, in the publishing pie, you know, so, um, but there are, there are those artists that don't really write, you know, and at that point, it's really important for you to kind of dig into like where they are, you know, and, 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 and dude, honestly, we've, we've had situations where we've just gotten on like a zoom call like this and just chit chat with the artist and say, Hey, how you doing? How you been? How's it going? What's going on with you? How's life? You know, and they'll tell us and, and what they don't know is, you know, Tad or I will be sitting here on the side as they're talking to us about what's going on with them. Oh, you know, I just got a, bought a new house or, oh, you know, I just, you know, I just went through a, you know, hard rate breakup or I just found new love or whatever. And we're just chatting, you know, and, and as they say, like interesting little things, unique things about their story, we'll be just jotting down notes. You know, like if they say a really cool line, they didn't know, you know, we'll just write it down. And then at the end of it, we'll write something. And then when we present it, we say, Hey, look, remember when we we're talking about this, Remember that line you said? I thought it was so fire. Put it in the song. Check it out. And then now they have an attachment to that song. They're like, holy crap, that's so cool. And maybe they'll want to change a line or two or make it even more, you know, about them. But, you know, those are those are the things, man. you know. So interesting. It's so interesting how when you're. I guess when you're learning about music, there's a sense in which we approach it from a technical perspective. And that's what it means to like have more knowledge. Whereas the way that you guys are describing it is so much more of a human centric approach, which is really exciting and interesting. No, you, you like, that's it, man. It, I mean, it's all about humans and their feelings and being able to connect because if you can't connect in a room with something that makes everyone feel a certain way, then how's that song going to do out, in, out in, in the world? It doesn't, it doesn't matter like how flashy the melodies are or how cool the drums are or whatever it is, you know, in the end, it's all about connection and communication. 
Mm. So that, that's something we realized, or rather I had to realize because I was always a stickler for technical perfection and mm. all, all those things. And, and, you know, after a while, I, I realized through Joe and through like life in general that, you know, it's, it's not about that, you know, like this is music supposed to be, you know, it's an expression and it's about connection and feeling. Do you ever have a situation where there's something that kind of happened in the room or something or like a demo that you've made but then it doesn't kind of translate in production. So you feel like there was something that was really exciting about it that you can't quite capture when you try and make it more radio ready or whatever. Well, I mean, there's there's been instances, I think, where, you know, we, we've done an idea. We sit on it for a little while. We try to, we try to make it radio ready. And we realize that the way it was before is the way that it needs to be. Mm. And dude, Look, okay, so there's two aspects to it, right? And, you know, from my point of view, there's the aspect that we're talking about, which is the songwriter producer, right? And our goal is to make it as commercially, you know, ready for commercial success as possible, right? But, dude, at the end of the day, you don't really even know because you can take, you know, just take a listen to Spotify and what's really popping. You know, nobody, nobody saw Dance Monkey coming. You know, nobody saw... You know, which is Roddy Rich, the box. Yeah, I was or whatever. just about to say, yeah. You know, you nobody saw that. You know, nobody saw any of those things coming. So it's like it's a it's a delicate balance, right? So yeah, you know, there's there are instances that we sit here and we say, uh, you know what, dude, let's add some, you know, a, a few extra little sprinkles of, you know, some sauce or whatever, but for the most part, let's leave the drums how they are. It feels good. And I think that's the essence, dude. The bottom line is, does it feel good? I mean, I'm telling you, there's so much, there's so much win right there. And I mean, I know I keep going back to the human element in the field, but I mean, that's the answer to a lot of it. A lot of it's like when you listen to it, okay, cool. We can get in there and really kind of, you know, uh, work out the minutia of the EQ, make sure these, you know, these drums sound good and crisp or the mix is nice or, okay, that's cool. But at the end of the day, are the drums working with the elements that we have to make it feel good? Does the, does, do the elements get in the way of how the melody and the, you know, the, the lyric, you know, happen? Is there a specific lyric in the song at this part of the song that we need to drop out, you know, some drums or maybe, you know, add an element to really emphasize what this lyric means to the song? I mean, those things are what people need to listen to, you know, to make sure that, that you know, they're getting the most out of, out of that. Because, I mean, look, the voice is an instrument as well, you know, and the, the lyric, I mean, there was... I can't remember what interview I was listening to, but basically the guy said, hey, look, you know, Drake's Drake's a beast because Drake has, you know, not only, you know, the the the, the voice, which everybody loves to listen to. But, man, when he uses his lyrics, you know, that right there, people don't really understand that, you know, if you if you you know, if you listen to the lyric enough and you figure out where you can, you know, take some production out or produce different things, it can really add to the to the hit factor of your song. So it's like those are the things, you know what I mean? Mm. On the flip. On the flip, you know, we have records where we just write with the with the piano, you know, with some keys, some chords and stuff. And then we're just like, okay, well, let's just sit on it for a little bit or we'll show it. And they're like, this is dope. And then we'll we'll cater that to the artist. So if the artist is a very urban artist, we'll throw some trap drums on it or we'll figure out how urban they want to go, you know, because there's a lot of different urban elements that we can do in the Latin market or in Asia as well. <clears throat> this happened, that's happened quite a few times. And, and, and yeah, I mean, again, you know, it's all uh, case by case, but, but yeah, I mean, the feel, the feel is mm. the bottom line, how we, how we, how we approach that. It's almost as if you're like describing it as like selling your taste. When you're describing it as like, you can dress the song in different ways, like maybe it's more urban or wh whatever. How often do you write just a piano or whatever? And you're like, okay, this could go in a bunch of different ways. For you, is that what is fundamentally the song or is production often part of the sound? Yeah, again, you know, like no, no rules. Mm. It really depends on the situation, you know, but there are like some, I guess, what do you call it? Rules of thumb. A lot mm. of EDM, for example, like, mm. you know, future bass or house songs are written like, like Joe mentioned, because it's, you know, the DJ that creates the production. And so our job is to just create really good melodies and really good lyrics. Hmm. For uh, for the other stuff, you know, sometimes we get in the studio that day and we have a feeling and we want to do it acoustic. 
Other times it's, you know, we're, we're already with the artist and we're already doing a song with drums and production elements. And maybe that's dope. And maybe that's like the first two hours of the session. But then maybe all that stuff is cluttering our vision. Maybe all that stuff is not what we need in hour three of the session. Maybe in the third hour of the session, we need to mute everything we already have and just work on a piano to get mm. the rest of the way. And then once we, we've gotten there with the lyric, with the melody, and then we, we put the production back and finish the song. Yeah. So that's right. a technique as well that we use sometimes. Just switch up the scenery, you know? Yeah. And so for you personally, are there particular situations that you feel like you need to put yourself in in order to do your best work, either emotionally or in terms of the things that you have around you, like where you are even? Live your life, I guess. And, and this is something that, you know, again, I learned from, from working with Joe. And, you know, I, I realized that, you know, having grown up Singaporean and lived like a really fortunate, uh, like I had a very fortunate upbringing and, you know, and, and, and things were always quite, I mean, I guess emotionally I was devoid of content. Mm. And <laughs> so I just needed to go Quite through life brutal a little assessment bit. assessment of yourself. <laughs> no, it's, it's true. It's the truth. And, you know, like a lot of Singaporeans are, are emotionally stunted. Whereas now I kind of like, I, 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 you know, like just having worked with Jova and, and you know, like got, got getting to know his family and the way he grew up, you know, like he was saying earlier, you know, it's just like a total 180. And, you know, because of that, you know, like he has so much more like, depth and richness in in the way he approaches certain things as opposed to me like you know before i you know grew up a little bit more emotionally yeah the self-deprecation is like super thick right now right come on Tat. <laughs> that's not like that no Tat. look 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 no, it really, it's it. true though like i was I, I was very i was very closed off when we first met i mean that's true that that's that's real that's talk a, right there right <laughs> yeah it's real it's it's like the thing is i remember i have a funny story i remember like when we first started working together and stuff you know i'm i'm big into like hugs right uh, <laughs> i hated hugs my, oh. oh my gosh dude. i had to teach tad how to give a hug because he used to give these hugs right where like he used to like when he would hug like it, it was like a movie hug right you know like like you ever watch Step Brothers, the movie if you haven't watched it it's hilarious and and like when they go to give a hug like tat he like would reach his arms around but like wouldn't give like this and, and when he finally would like give you the hug it would be like the stiffest hug that you ever felt in your life it was just not it was not a soft you know hug at all you know it was just like get off me you know i was like oh crap <laughs> so i'm like hey Tad, we're gonna have to work on that one bro <laughs> that was that was a little, a little tough but i mean hey look he's 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 become a better hugger but but yeah man no it's it's interesting man you know when we come from I mean, literally opposite sides of the world you know with completely different upbringings i mean completely different language completely different music styles you know and man you know the one thing you know i think we just we have the same love for it you know and and the way that we want to do these things and it's cool we've le i've learned i've learned a ton from tat the same way he talks about i guess my, my emotional depth i'll say that you know tat has given me this amazing approach to to music he's you know shown me a lot of the technical parts of it and the aspects of how it is to be a true pure pop writer i mean it's incredible you know the way he approaches these things and how he sees things you know in terms of like how you write the song how you produce the song how you bring these elements together he can see it as it's happening and that's how how we're so fluid and fast because over the years and over time we kind of understand each other and where we want to go. And so I'll already kind of know, but it took me time because he's, he's, he was, remember before Tad and I got together, he had already had, you know, eight to 10 years of a career, you know? So Tad was already in there and he was already super successful in Asia. And so I come in and then we really start doing the, the world thing. And so for me to come in, you know, as, you know, not nearly on the same level as him, I had to level up really fast. And you know, just by watching how he worked, you know, it showed me so much and I was able to, you know, I'm still trying to get to his level. He's amazing. But, you know, we're, we're you know, we're, we definitely complement one another. So it's it's been great, man. It's been an awesome uh, time. And for you, Joe, do you try and put yourself in like a particular mood or a particular place like to get the most out of yourself? I, I take every single mood and I try to I try to you know, put that into the energy of the song because all of those energies are 
they mean something, right? And there are moments, you know, where, you know, you need to take a break from like writing or producing or anything like that, you know, because we're all human. But man, have you ever tried to write an an angry song happy or a happy <laughs> song when you're mad? You know what I mean? So if you're if you're fucking mad, <laughs> write what you're mad about. And if you're fucking happy, you know, like that Post Malone song, Congratulations. I fucking love that song. man. I love that song because it's just it's just so fun and happy, you know, and he must have just been super just excited and high on life on, you know, just the way he felt about what he's doing. You know, now they always say congratulations. That shit is ridiculous, you know, and it's like, again, it just goes back to like, yeah, I mean, I would prefer to be a little more you know i prefer to be on the happier side when i'm writing my songs you know but if i'm tripping or if i'm mad or if i need to talk about something or whatever fucking you know we wrote a song called fuck fear which is really dope you know we wrote a song called childish you know the childish song was interesting because you don't know where it's gonna go but it talks about you know you know it could it, we wrote it in a way that it it kind of talks about you know relationship but you know, it was, it, it's the personal thing, the relationship between, you know, myself and my parents, you know? And so, which by the way, guys, you know, disclaimer, I have a good relationship with my parents, but at that point I was a little upset about some shit that was going on. So I wrote about it, you know? And it, and the thing is people, you know, that's this, that's what it is, man. It's a little bit of me every time. It's a little bit of tat every time, you know, the situations that we're going in through and then people, you know, the artists, they'll relate to it and then they'll make it their own. And then it relates to the world. You know, everybody's going through stuff good bad pretty ugly you know whatever dude people get cheated on people get loved people get you know heartbroken or or you know people are pissed off about their job you know in the singapore navy or whatever you know whatever you know all those things so yeah hey if you're enjoying the episode so far i'd love it if you would leave a review or share it with a friend makes a huge difference for us thanks given that you two have worked together so much do you ever feel like you're writing the same song over and over again Never. Oh, actually, well, there was a period, I will confess, that I was I was turning to Joe and half seriously, but still half seriously, saying, oh my God, are we really going to do another reggaeton today? <laughs> but, but even then, you know, yeah. that's just a genre. You can do everything in that genre. You're not res- restricted to one topic or one sound, really. So, you know, that's not even like a real gripe, if you look at it. Yeah. Do you have tools that you, or strategies that you take to try and keep it fresh? Yeah, different people, different, yeah, different different artists. Yeah, genres, everything. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much, that's what it is. I mean, if you keep it a routine, then you're doing the same shit over and over again, you know, and then it gets, becomes monotonous, right? Yeah. So, I mean. Yeah, plus, yeah, plus, like, we're really fortunate, too, because, you know, over the years, we've, we've, we've gotten to work with people, and people do come back to work with us or refer their friends you know, uh, we're talking about artists here. So, you know, one literally one day we'll be working on Latin, the next day we'll be working on C-pop and then K-pop, and then someone's going to come in from, I don't know, from Australia or something. And so we're, we we have this constant variety and, and we love it. It's great. Yeah. Hmm. And so given that you work in all these different genres, what do you do when you want to check if something is good? Are there particular people whose taste you trust? What does that process look like for you? I think, I think uh, now this is where you kind of have a little, have to have a little confidence in yourself and in yourself and stand in your own, in your own truth, kind of in your own uh, taste, you know, um, because this is what, this is what people are, are, you know, looking to you for. I mean, we don't have too, too many people that we show our stuff to. I mean, I sh- honestly, the person that I trust is Tat and the Tat trusts me. And I mean, I think that's kind of what we go off of. And I mean, you know, because at the end of the day, the moment you start allowing your confidence to be dictated, you know, by another creative or another person, you start losing the sense of what you think may be good. And you don't ever want that. You need to stand in the fact that you if you think it's good. If you believe that it's good, it's good. And then you, you got to throw it out there. And if people don't relate, it's not that it wasn't good. It's just that they don't relate. And that's OK. You know, but it's what you wanted to work on at that particular moment in time. I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's it's a it's a level up process. Right. But the more and more you dial into what your sound is and what what is, you know, what is successful, then, you know, then that's when you say, OK, hey, you know, this is what we need to be doing. But I, I don't know. I mean, Tat, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know if we ever really like 
like we don't we don't finish the song and say okay now we have to show like hey why don't we show this to like two or three people no i don't I no, mean, yeah. I, we don't do that <clears throat> no we, we we show it to artists but at that point we're selling it to them you know we're not mm. asking them for their opinion we're showing it to the artist and then if they dig it they do if mm. they don't they don't that's fine but but we're not asking for someone's opinion to validate our song I think that's mm. a crucial difference. But I mean, that being said, I mean, you know, you, you, you also have to, have to workshop your stuff to death before you get to that point. You know, like over the years, both Joe and I have gotten like incredibly picky with where, like where we want the song to be, where we want all the individual elements to be at before we will consider a song like a finished demo and then, and then, and then show it to someone else. You know, so there's a I mean, lot you, of in, internal. Yeah, Joe, go ahead. Yeah, you, you don't want to look, you don't want to beat yourself up. Right. But like, look, you have to be as a creative, you have to be truthful with your stuff. Right. So you got to grab your stuff and put it up against everything that you hear on Spotify or on the radio or whatever, or whatever type of music you want to make. If you want to make, you know, pure pop. If you want to make EDM, if you want to make, you know, urban trap, if you want to make, you know, whatever you want to make. Right. You got to listen to it, put your stuff up against theirs and say, OK, hey, look, you know, how does mine fare? And if you feel like your stuff is is on par at least sonically then you have to be you have to you know be confident in the fact that what you want to talk about and how you want to relate it is going to be is going to be dope and that's it i mean it's all about confidence man a lot of it has to do with that a lot of it has to do with how you feel about if you if you feel like you're not going to write a good song and you know <laughs> you know you know i mean that, that's it so yeah man yeah i mean and dude Hey, okay, here's probably okay. I'm gonna give you the best little case study I can tell you. Okay, I'm gonna throw my buddy under the bus, <laughs> Lewis. I love you, bro. I love you, but he, he oh, tells the no. story too. So he tells the stories. He tells the story too. So you know, it's not nothing that you know. So anyway, so he told me a story. He tells a lot of people a story about you know Mims. This is why I'm hot. And he heard the song before it went out. Blackout showed him. I think yeah, some yeah. And and he was like, I don't know about this song. I don't like this record, bro. I don't know about this. Yeah, this is not going to work. And I mean, it ended up being, you know, a super dope record. But check it out. That's a that was a moment where, you know, you know, Blackout shows somebody that he trusts. Right. The guy says, hey, I don't I'm not feeling it, bro. I don't think it's going to do anything. And then he has a decision to make. Right. Does he does he continue with what he believes, which is he thinks it's a dope record and he believes that it's top of the line. And we should put it out. Or does he listen to the person that he trusts and says, ah, you know what? It's not ready. Let's go change something. You see what I'm saying? Mm. So like at the end of the day, you got to say to yourself, I'm ready to rock and roll. You know, I'm ready to do this. Yes. I mean, and then there's, there's many examples. There's the, there's the Despacito example, Tad, you know, that Sebastian was talking about. There's, there's many, there's many different things. You know, like at the end of the day, you have to, once you know that it's what it is and you feel confident in your ability to, you know that the record's ready to go, then you pull that trigger, man. And completely agreed. For you, for you two, was it really obvious, kind of like what your songwriting style would be? How did you know that? Oh, I'm going to do pop music, or how did you find that style? Wow. So yeah. So the industry loves to put us in in in, in pigeonholes, right? In little cubbies, in in boxes, and label us and stuff. So especially in the U.S., like urban writers are urban writers and EDM writers are EDM writers for the most part. And, you know, like I think from the beginning, we, we've never really felt like that represented us. Like we wouldn't have been ha happy just doing one of those things yeah. or two of those things. We were a little greedy, I guess. We wanted to do everything because it made us happy. But as far as the style goes, it's interesting you say that because I feel like at least, you know, before I met Joe, like I was getting all these like people giving me advice saying, you know, in the US, you have to you have to pick your poison and stick with it. You have to, you know, put yourself in the box. And 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 then, yeah. And then I thought like I actually thought like at, at that point that I needed to literally do that, put myself in the box and then just like do the same thing over and over again until I had found my sound. Right. I feel like a lot of people will tell artists to do that. In yeah. the U.S. as well. What's your sound? What's your what kind of label you as? But whatever, like Joe and I have found, and it's interesting you you point that out. I feel like it really happened purely without without planning. Huh. This is this is the sum total of us working with each other day in day out for like over seven years now. Yeah, we make yeah. we make music that 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 we love that makes us happy, man. I think that that's 
you know, and, and it's not a, you can never skip that step. You know, like what I mean by that is everybody goes through it. Everybody starts, they start writing, then they get like their first placement. And then all of a sudden they want to start chasing that, you know, that, that feeling. And so then they start trying to like write these pop records that they don't really care about. Mm. And then, you know, after a while they get jaded and burnt a little bit because it's like, you know, what the hell am I doing? I lost my, my feeling. And then, and then they, they reach that point of like epiphany and they've reached that point of like, you know, wait, hold on, time out, you know, let's go back to the beginning. And then they do. And they realize that the real success is, you know, comes from when you can achieve like writing songs that you care about, but then that, that those songs also become placed songs and that, you know, you can make a living off of doing, you know, music that you love. You know what mm. I mean? I think that that's the, that's, that's the point right there. And, and you, I, you know, whoever's listening right now, you know, the, the message to you is, you know, you have to, you have to find that right. And always keep that like right in the center of your focus. You know, like I need to do music that I want to do. I need to yeah. do music that I love. I need to do music that, that makes me feel good. Even if it's music that make that, that even if it's something I need to get off my chest, you know, even if it's something that's dark, whatever. But at the end of the day, when I'm done writing that record, it doesn't need to be about, oh, you know, this is a song that's going to make, you know, make me millions of dollars or, you know, get millions of streams because that'll come, you know, that will come when, I mean, I haven't made millions of dollars yet either, but you know, I'm, I've made a, enough money to, to make this thing worth my time. And, and, and yeah, man, I think the bottom line is when you make the music that you want to make and it makes you happy, that's where it's at. But yeah. you have to go, you have to go through the, the hard time, you know, that other time, you know, the learning curve, the, the other feeling, you know, the feeling of like, oh, you know, what the hell am I doing? You know, because everybody does it. Everybody goes there. Just check, you know, check stats on everybody that's done anything. They're always saying the same thing. They're like, dude, I was about to quit. I was about to quit music. I was about to let it go. I was about to stop. And then this happened, you know, so. Mm. Yeah. How do you think about originality then? I think like originality in pop is like, a, it's like a tricky thing because obviously styles shift over time, but then like at the same time, there is definitely like a sound of a moment that you can identify in retrospect. So when you're like making the stuff that you want to make, are you also trying to think I need to do something different or? It's, it's usually organic. I mean, unless like the artists or whoever we're working with, unless we're working to a project and, and they have a specific vision or a specific sound mm. that they already, maybe they already have that sound. They, they want us to continue that sound. And then of, of course we'll do that. Or maybe they have like a, re, a request for a trap drum or whatever. And right. then we'll do that too, because that's what the artist wants. Right. But uh, but otherwise, no, we, we don't we don't micromanage these things to death. No. Right. And are you not afraid of cliche, like the four pull, four chord pop song or like any of that stuff? No, um, <laughs> no, it's it's uh, that's you know, I mean that's what they call for. Look, there's two top, there's two types of pop, right? There's the, I mean, if you think about it, everybody that takes the risk, like when you take the risk and you make your own sound, that becomes the new pop, right? You know, Bad Bunny sounds like Bad Bunny. You can identify when Bad Bunny is singing. Drake sounds like Drake. You know, Migos sound like Migos, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, mm. these artists sound like themselves. And then you start writing these pop records like them. So when so just to answer that question you were saying about, like, you know, originality. Right. If you want to make it right, if you want to be successful, you have to be original. And then if it translates, you know, if people you know buy into it then that becomes the new norm. Now everybody wants to make that sound, you see? And so, so yeah, so like Selena Gomez this, does her thing, but now Selena Gomez is on top or Drake is on top. So then people start making songs in the style of, you know? And then whenever Drake wants to flip it up and do something else, he does. He just says, okay, I'm going to do this now. And now everybody's making style in the style of this, you see? And so originality is key for sure. You do that, you know, and then, and then you know, when the when you when you have a, a chance to work with a, a big pop artist that wants, you know, that four chord song, you give it to them, you know. But it's always good to have like a, a nice balance of you know originality and also, you know, hey, look, let's get a nice pure pop song going, and that's cool too. Yeah, and um, as a sort of n normal person outside the industry, one of the things that I think is 
interesting about people who make pop music in particular is the relationship with what, I guess, if it's not successful, people think is cheese. So if you if you sit down and you play Adele stuff or whatever in your bedroom to your mates, it's it's like, who is this really cheesy guy, right? Whereas so much of great pop music has that element to it. Do you guys ever think about cheese or is that something you look for even? Yes, uh, we do. And, you know, like it's, it, it's, it's interesting uh, because this is also something that Joe turned me on to like a few years ago, like the right amount of cheese. You know, sometimes songs need cheese. And if you yeah. don't have cheese, then it's like cheese is an ingredient like any other. Mm. Love that. And cheese. it's all contextual <laughs> too. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, you know, you sometimes you use a little gouda, you know, a little feta. You know? <laughs> it all depends on on the style, man. Sometimes, hey, man, a good a good love song is just dialed up with the cheese, right? I mean, listen to uh, Ed Sheeran, "Dancing in the Dark," or any of these yeah. other ones, right? Yeah, super totally. cheese. But like, I mean, it's all about the way you, all about the way you frame it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, Bruno Mars is swaggy as hell, but if you look at his lyrics, it's like 80% cheese. And it's <laughs> awesome. We yeah. love it. It's glorious. So Yeah, yeah it's amazing. <laughs> and so who who were the people or the artists that have like really influenced you? Yeah, I feel like for me, it was, it was the, the, it's the stuff I listened to growing up. I, I don't know that anyone we've worked with since has really like influenced me quite huh. as strongly as that. And that's why there's a theory, right? Like why most, why music goes in like 20, 30 year cycles? Because it's because people get successful in the 30s and then they start recreating the music that made them happy when they were 10. Huh. At least for me, that's my personal theory and I feel it. What made yeah. you happy when you were 10? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know. Did Britney Spears exist back then? No, that was, that was much later. That was much later. Man, it was like, Celine Dion, I, like I was always always into like big voiced women. Nice. <laughs> Growing up, yeah, with runs and everything, like glorious runs. Yeah, I was always into that. Can you do glorious runs yourself? No, not really. On <laughs> <laughs> his not, dreams, not, not, his not dreams. like Celine, not like Celine for sure. But, but yeah, I mean, Joe, Joe, Joe loves like old school R and B, soul, neo soul, yeah, that man. kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's what up, you listen to growing you know, up. R&B, neo soul, soul. Grew up listening to obviously Latin music, Mark Anthony, salsa, merengue, bachata. Yeah, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Probably, probably some. I guess Marvin Gaye and and just that vibe, man. Just super, super dope R&B stuff. Yeah. And do you think the the you of 10 years old would like the music that you make now? That's a heck of a question. Wow. That's, that's, that's like so good. Inception right now. Inception, yeah. <laughs> man, shit. I don't know, man. I don't know. I think, yeah, I, I would hope so. Yeah, I, I think so. I, but then again, man, 10-year-old me was a fucking rock star. And I feel like some of the music that I loved then, you don't hear now. 10-year-old me listen to the music we make now i mean yeah dude like we made a fire joint called the like you that man i still i mean people still you know text us about it there's a song that we did called for our, our artist project and that's another record that man we just absolutely love and it just gives good vibes every time we do it and i mean yeah there's a ton of records that we've done so yeah i think 10 year old me would be down but i think 10 year old right. me would also say hey fucking you know, do some hardcore rock shit, bro. What the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> definitely, definitely would hit yeah. me with that one too. I'm excited for your Spotify playlist to say, take a sudden turn to Metallica. That's exactly where I'm going with it. I, you know what? I'm going to go and make a podcast that says Jova's, you know, 10 year old playlist or some shit. I don't fucking know. No, but also, you know, rock's definitely coming, is slowly inching back in. It's not a full, full on wave yet, but yeah, you know, who knows? We might be making rock music a year from now. We'll see. When, a lot of what, angry, angry people. What makes you feel like rock is coming back in? I, I mean, it's, uh, there's just artists coming back. I mean, Blink-182 had their, had their album. Weezer had their album like last year. It's all about what the kids want, man. I mean, who are we to say? You know, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what they relate to, what the what the next generation wants to go with, you know? I mean, you know, Blink-182, Weezer, these guys, they came out and they did their thing. I mean, I like Third Eye Blind a little bit growing up, too. You know, mm. they're not like super hard rock at all. 
or not even close. But I mean, I, I, I like their stuff a little bit too. And they released something and, and, you know, I wasn't like blown away, you know, by it, you know, listen to a little bit of it, but I mean, you know, at the end of the day, man, it's like, again, it's like what they want. Right. You know, and you can listen to the Spotify playlist and it's encouraging to hear that there are some guys coming up that are doing some rock stuff. I mean, I don't know if it'll ever be as, you know, angsty and as raw as we heard it yeah. then. I mean, because look, listen to reggaeton, listen to reggaeton in the, you know, in the early nineties and, you know, in the eighties, early nineties, you'll see that, you know, that stuff was just street, you know? Yeah. That was just, you know, it was, it was crazy. And then, it, and then now it's so super completely poly. ignorant of that. Like, where would you start? Who would be the, who? I mean, there's a lot, there's Stego Calderon, there's Daddy Yankee, you know, a lot, it's funny because a lot of the reggaetoneros that are doing stuff now, were doing stuff then. I mean, even Nicky Jam was was doing stuff with Daddy Yankee. They actually they had like a little duo, you know. And early on, you know, Zion and Lennox was doing their thing too. But you know, you just check it out early, early on. You know, Evie Queen, you know, she was killing too. And we seen Yandel, obviously. But it was different. You listen to the sound then, you know, and you listen to the sound now, and everything's super polished, you know. And there's nothing mm. wrong with that. It it evolved. You know, but I mean, it's 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 not the reggaeton from from you know the streets back in the day. Hmm. I think that's I don't, really, if, I don't know if Rock will I don't know if Rock will ever get there. You know, I, I don't know. No, like uh, like Joe was saying, I, I feel like that's something that happens for every single genre out there. Out there, I mean, if you look at hip hop, too, the exact same thing happened. I mean, it was a it was a genre of struggle, and then now it's it's a completely different thing. Yeah. Can I ask some really basic questions? Yeah, go for it. So what actually does your day look like? As in, do you, are you, do you get up and you're like, okay, I'm going to write songs for six hours. What's well, like a week in the life of the Swaggernauts? Swaggernauts uh, two years ago, or the Swaggernauts right now. <laughs> That's super different. I'm interested to hear, hear how it's changed. <laughs> well, the Swaggernauts two years ago, that was 2018. That was a very busy year for us because on top of our regular schedule, just making stuff for artists, we had to, you know, create our, our own sound as a band, Wapea. We were like newly signed to Universal Latin at that point. So our days were really nonstop creative. We might work for, we'll get up in the morning, we'll work for on on something maybe for ourselves. And then three hours later, we'd be working on something for an artist. And then maybe another artist would come in. And then sometimes we would have multiple sessions running at the same time because at, at, at the house in LA that we work out of, we actually have two rooms that can run concurrent sessions. So occasionally like Jova and I would split up <laughs> and we would just, you know, we have Pablo at the house too. He's our, our friend and he also helps us out with stuff. So he might run a session and, 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 then, and then I might run a session upstairs and then, and then Joe might just like kind of shuttle between the rooms. It got honestly quite crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound crazy. Earlier you were talking about you have to live your life a bit. Do you, I guess, run out of things to say is the wrong word, but if you're spending all day creating stuff, how, how does your brain deal with that? And, and I think it goes back to, well, I mean, if, if you're talking about our own personal project, yeah, I mean, there were moments there where we did have to, like, go out and, and live our life, you know, for our personal project as artists, because that mm. becomes a reflection of us. But in terms of the other artists, right, we, we really, you know, leaned a lot on their personal experience and what was going on with them, you know, or what's going on in pop culture, you know, that always, you know, it always helps you kind of figure out what's going on in the world and try to you know write something for that but for the most part when it when it, yeah. that's probably one of the hardest things to do man for Wapea, when we started writing our own artist thing we're like shit okay so the <laughs> so the mirror's on us now you know what are we <laughs> no, gonna yeah. what are we gonna talk about oh crap we were honestly you know, like so. super lost for literally a year <laughs> and at that point we already had like uh you know, we, we had tons, like, I mean, not tons, but I guess we had a track record of success with very big acts by that point, mm. you know, but just turning the mirror back on us, like Jova said, yeah, we were completely lost for like about a year, <laughs> to be honest. And some gems did come out of that year, but we didn't know that at that point. We, it was just the constant feeling of, wow, 
what the hell do we do now? <laughs> yeah, and so I guess like related to that, at any one time, do you have like a hundred different things that you write of which like one turns into something good when you look back at it? Is it like volume first and then quality or are you orientated around quality the whole time? It's you, you eventually, you know, dial both of them together where you mm. get quality and, and quantity. I mean, at first, when you first start writing, you know, everything's great, right? You start writing, everything's great. But then as you start really kind of listening and putting your stuff up against other people's stuff, you start realizing that, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, one out of 10, but then mm-hmm. it starts, it starts getting better, better over time. You know, you'll get to four, you'll get to seven. And then eventually everything that you start working on, you know, will have a quality standard, you know, mm. and then you'll start exceeding that. And so I think at this point now we're, we're at a point where we don't have to take too much time to sit down and really obsess over a song per se, because we kind of know, you know, what's going to sound good, what's not going to sound good and, and those kind of things. But you, you learn that over time. It's that, what is that? The 10, the 10,000 hour thing. Mm. Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Mm. And so next simple question, if you ever get stuck on a track, do you just like save it for later or do you try and like push through it? If you're like, I have this great verse, I haven't got the hook. Do you, are you like, I'm going to finish it now or how does that work? Well, you push for a while, but if it's not happening, then you let it go and come back to it. Yeah. I mean, there's no point forcing something that's not happening. Do you feel yeah. like you have early finished things before because you wanted you wanted to make it happen faster than it should have? You let things flow. I mean, here's yeah. here's a little here's a little tip. Go to, you know, like go like it's like if you're in a session and you're like rocking with some people or whatever and it's kind of a little bit stuck right exit the room go to the bathroom you know go get a glass of water and it doesn't need to be like hey guys break you know like you like if you're trying to create and you just want to like you know just it's just exit you know and then and dude some people come back from the bathroom and you know they're like taking a leak or something they're like oh crap you know and they come back i got the melody i got it and then they do it bam and they're like yeah this is amazing all right let's go boom and it just keeps going or you go out and you take a smoke you know some people you know they they, they light up a joint outside and you know smoke a little bit and, and you know get inspired creatively or whatever whatever your thing is but sometimes it's okay to just kind of like exit energy you know go and clear thought and then come back in you know mm. and that helps a lot too do you have specific ways that you run your session or does it change depending on who you're working with? Well, it changes, but it usually starts with a conversation, like Jova said, and then huh. we just kind of feel things out from there. It's like therapy, you know. So cool. Have you ever had people where you're like, actually, I just, after, after chatting with you, I don't want to therapy you at all. I'm done. You're too. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're professional. I'd say that. Fair enough. No, we're, yeah, we're, no, 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 no. We're professional. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. And well, we'll never shortchange like anyone because you know everyone that comes in, you know, has chosen us for a reason, and so we want to reciprocate that. You know, yeah. we we don't we don't really half ass things just because we want to get rid of people. That's just not right. No. Yeah. <laughs> are there any tricks that you, when you hear people who are starting out, that you think that they just don't get? I I how the chorus needs to like come out of the pre-chorus generally speaking or whatever, anything like that. I mean, no, 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 dude. Like, again, it just depends, dude. Like some, I mean, what, what makes a hit? You know what I mean? So like the answer to that is like some people, you know, some, some people are cool. Some people, you know, want to have their own you know thing and, and you just have to be able to understand, you know, what your role is in the session and where, you know, where artists are and what they want to do. And, and that's okay. You know, I mean, I think there's no one way and that's mm. what's important for you as a creator to understand. And if you, ex- if you're willing to accept from the onset that, you know, there's a way and, and you might want to, like you might go down that rabbit hole and it might need, might lead nowhere or it might lead back to where you started, you know, as long as you know how to, you know, maneuver in a way that makes, the session continue in a positive way you're okay you know mm. 
I mean, the like just to sum up, you know, like obviously the technical stuff is really important. You don't get any music done like physically mm. without the technical stuff. But but for most artists, you know, not just songwriters, just any anyone like a, a painter, a sculptor, whatever, you have to get to a point where you're not thinking about the technique, and the technique doesn't drive you. The technique is a tool, and what drives you is the feeling and the emotion. Yeah. Final question for me is just. If some people wanted to do what you've done, what would you, what would you recommend? How would you recommend they start? I feel like for me, and maybe Joe feels differently, but for me, I feel like it's uh, it, a lot of it was about making a conscious decision to commit, like one hundred percent. Not just commit in the sense of I'm going to spend my days making music, but also commit to it in the sense of who am I going to hang out with? What city am I going to live in? I literally had nothing in LA when I went there. I had a couple of friends who weren't in the music industry and that was about it. And, and of course, Joe, who I met through a random encounter with our then manager, Jimmy. Hmm. Yeah, but, but literally that was it. And so I, I you know, and, and my story is not unusual. I feel like a lot of musicians move to New York, move to LA, move to Seoul, move to Tokyo, Beijing, whatever it is for that very same reason. And uh, it's probably a cliche at this point, but you have to make the commitment and, and move to a place where you're surrounded by people that you can interact with and that you can grow with mm. who want the same thing you do. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you just got to put yourself out there, right? You know, and not be afraid, you know, just kind of understand that, yeah, things are scary and stuff. But I mean, if you just push through, you know, and, and you dedicate to it, look, I, there's, there's, everybody has those things that they wish they, you know, they'd done, you know, like, dude, go get educated you know that's really important and i mean it doesn't need to be like a you know sixty thousand dollar education you know what i mean there's there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting material out there that you can you can get but just get educated you know that's that's something that's really important and then also you know at the end of the day it's it's a people's it's people you know you're you're dealing with people here you know so it's important to you know treat everyone as you want to be treated mm. you know some things that you learn over time, you know, you know, putting the, putting the spotlight on me, you know what I mean? Um, as an artist, you, you get a little paranoid and, you know, you start, you know, worrying about people, you know, maybe coming out to hurt you. And, and yeah, I mean, there are some people in the industry that it's, it can be a tough industry, you know, and it can, it can knock you down, but as long as you're doing, you know, good by other people, you know, you're going to attract good people, you know, and that's, what's important. And so just being, you're doing good for people, you know, it'll, it'll come back to you tenfold. So mm. that's, that's really important. And just, you know, and just do your best, you know, bust, bust tail and do, and, and okay. Last thing, love the music you do. If you love the music you do, people are going to love it and people are going to get attracted to it and it's going to happen. So just love it. Mm. Yeah. That's it. Nice. Thank you. That's kind of roundabout way covered most of the things I wanted to talk about. Is there anything that you guys want to bring up or you think that um, would be interesting for people to hear about mm. i'm good i mean i think you know i think just you know say yes to more things guys and just be open-minded and you know at the end of the day you know you don't know what's at the end of the you know up the, up the, up the um, curve if you don't try you know on the other side on the other side of the corner if you don't try if you don't you know continue so i know things get tough sometimes but you just you don't know you know what i mean so we didn't get there overnight and we still have a ways to go you know so yeah, man. And, and Hey, look, reach out to us. I say this a lot, man, reach out to us. You know, we're, you know, we're folks that we love to, you know, interact with other folks and stuff like that. So yeah, man. And we'll, we'll help however we can. So. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Tat and Joe for joining. It's been super, super interesting. I appreciate hey, it. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, share it on social media and have a good day. <laughs>